It is fall, and school has begun. Everything is up and running. Here at the church, we are getting ready to start our confirmation program. Tonight, there's a meeting for those of you who are in ninth grade. I think most of you are aware of it. But tonight, we will come together, those who are interested in the confirmation program, to talk about confirmation and what's involved. I was thinking with my friend Andrew last year about confirmation and how it happens so often in our shared life that kids go through confirmation and then we never see them again. It's been comically referred to as graduation among some of us. So Andrew and I were trying to figure out how to shift this in relationship with the confirmation experience. And I think it was Andrew that came up with this word, but I have used it as my own ever since. He said, it's actually like they're matriculating. I said, that's it. At confirmation, you matriculate in your faith. And so each of us who has been confirmed is matriculated. We are matriculated. You don't graduate until you leave this earth. So it is that we are lifelong learners, and we go through our lives growing in our faith. We hear the disciples this morning say to Jesus, increase our faith. And Jesus says to them, you have what you need. Even just a little grain of faith the size of a mustard seed is so powerful that you could change the world. So which of you, having read this scripture before, has tried to do that? To look at a mulberry tree and see if it can move just by your prayer. If you have, you've noticed nothing happened. And so you may have wondered if you really had any faith at all. This reminds me of education. I have helped any one of my children at one time or another who sat down frustratedly with their homework and said, I don't even know what to do with this. Our teacher never taught us this. To which I reply, well, usually homework is given to reinforce the learning that happened earlier this day. So what did you learn about in school? Well, I don't know, but we didn't learn this. (laughs) Okay, well, sometimes homework is given as an opportunity to see what you know. So what kind of things do you know that might be relevant or be able to be used in your homework? I don't know. I don't know any of this. Okay, well, you know what? Why don't you just talk to your teacher tomorrow? You can tell her that you don't know any of this because she wants you to learn. I mean, the homework is actually your opportunity to demonstrate your knowledge. And since you don't know, just tell her and she'll teach you. Well, that answer isn't very well received either. I'm not trying to be manipulative, but you know, as I know, that teachers want their students to learn. They want to know what you know so they can know what they need to teach you. We can be like the apostles and come to Jesus and say, give me something. And Jesus says, I did. Did you see? You have what you need. Now it's your job to put this to good use. Jesus tells this parable about slaves and masters, and we don't have much of a point of reference for that in our modern Western you know, United States world. Kimberly Bracken Long did some reflections on it in one of the commentaries that I came across, looking at it as more about relationship than it is about acquisition. 
Faith brings us into relationship. It's not something that we stockpile for when we need to do something so extreme as move a mulberry bush into the ocean. Faith is given to us so that we can be in relationship with one another and in relationship with God. And God is generous. In the economy of faith, she says, we have a benevolent master who not only expects us to obey, but gives us all that we need to obey. In the economy of faith, it's less about personal fortitude than mutual forbearance, a realization that we're all in this together. In the economy of faith, we are not encouraged to stockpile our faith for miraculous wonders, but to live our faith in trust. Faith cannot be measured, only enacted. So Jesus tells his disciples when they ask for more faith, that's not the question. The question is how do you live that in your life? Now I've been to several open houses in the last few weeks, and each teacher has talked about their grading policy. All of them give hardly any points for homework. They say that's for your student to do. And with the practice of their homework, they will be prepared for the tests and quizzes that come later on in the class. I'm not going to grade homework because they're practicing on their homework. It's intended to exercise what they know and what they don't know. So they won't get any points for homework. It's what you're supposed to do as a student. What they will be evaluated on are the tests and the quizzes. Jesus, in essence, says the same thing to us. Oh, why would I give you credit for something that you're supposed to do? If we apply this student-teacher relationship and lay it over the gospel lesson today, we can see how ridiculous it would be for your teacher, when you came into class, to say, oh, here, come, I'm going to have you teach today. We would say, no, 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 no. I don't know this stuff. My job is the student. I'm to learn. And I have the privilege of learning. We have been given what we need for our life. Our job is to recognize it and to put it to use in trust, not always knowing how it can be used. Spiritual gifts are one way for us to engage with our faith life. As I mentioned earlier, we have this point of reference of spiritual gifts because of scripture in the 12th chapter of Romans in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians and in the 4th chapter of Ephesians there's a reference to spiritual gifts Paul talks about them as what God has given us for our life and we are encouraged to use them not for our own life but for our life together nobody has all of these spiritual gifts all of us only have one or two maybe three that we really are favoring and that we really exercise. And God says, that's right, but together you have all of them. See how much richer you are together. See what I can do with you when you bring these gifts into our shared experience, the body of Christ here, St. Stephen's in Ridgefield. The Natural Church Development Task Force had set out then to make these available to you as a parishioner, and if you go on the website, on the front page, there's a little button you can click and discover your own spiritual gifts. Yes, it's subjective because you know yourself and you are invited to consider how God has gifted you and has put them to use. They fall into some general categories. There are serving gifts, which are characterized by their role in the church 
to manage, serve, and build up the body of Christ in practical and loving ways. Serving gifts are administration, leadership, exhortation, mercy, giving, serving. There are foundation gifts, and those are fund- were fundamental to the establishment of the church. These gifts are needed for planting new churches and new ministries today. Foundation gifts include apostleship, prophecy, evangelism, pastor, teaching. There are revelatory gifts, which are those in which the Lord imparts or reveals information to be used to guide, warn, correct, or encourage the church while bringing glory to God's self. Revelatory gifts include wisdom, discernment, interpretation of tongues, knowledge. And there are manifestation gifts, also known as miraculous gifts. These are overtly supernatural and display the power and presence of the Lord among his people. They serve as evidence of the authority of God over all things, speaking in tongues, faith, healing, miracles. It's not up to us which gifts we get. It's up to us to receive the gifts we're given and to use them in the world, trusting that God, as our teacher, can nurture those in us for his glory in our community. I know of someone who took this spiritual gifts inventory, reported out the particular gifts that they had recognized within themselves, but then quickly dismissed them, saying, you know, I probably should have better ones. I was so disappointed. I thought, are you kidding me? There's no better. Are we that competitive that we think that this is some gradation, some hierarchy of spiritual gifts? God has given you those gifts. They're the ones God wants you to have. Rejoice. Use them. They're the best God wants for you. We are invited into our mutual relationship with one another as the body of Christ, sustained by Christ's love and grace among us. God has given us what we need to do his work in the world. Our job is to discover and to use them in glory and service to God. For in doing so, we will discover the abundance of God, the grace of God, the mercy and love of God made known and manifest in us, through us, for God's glory in the world. Amen.